0: Today's reading is from the book of John, chapter 1, verses 9 through 14. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to what which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God, the Word became flesh and has made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the One and Only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Well, good morning. I'm Mark. I'm one of the pastors on the team. Um, it is good to be together, whether you're here in this place or gathered with us online. Um, it's so so good to have you together uh, this morning. Um, we are going to be looking at two different texts today, and one is about the first coming of Christ, as we've just been celebrating this past month during this Advent season, which Riley just read from John chapter 1. But the second is a a passage about Christ's second coming, and it comes from um, the book of Revelation um, chapter 21. And I want to read this one now for us as well, as kind of we'll, we'll be looking at these two passages parallel with one another this morning. So hear these words from Revelation chapter 21. and true. Would you join me in prayer this morning? Lord, would you speak to us now? Uh, Lord, we quiet our hearts in the beginning of this new year. We want to hear from you. We want to be people that are about the work that you are about. We want to be a community that um, desires to be about the things of you. And so, Lord, as we begin this new season together, Would you be at the forefront? We ask these things in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So, a quick poll. Um, When it comes to Christmas trees and lights at your house, when do you take them down? Who's like, I am like, the day after Christmas... December 26th, like it's already all down by 9am, like anybody like on top of it, like super type, of, okay, no one, that's cool. Um, anybody like, yeah, we let it linger a little bit, maybe like first, second week of January, maybe a little bit further. Anybody that like there, either you're too lazy or you just don't want to go with, uh, without really experiencing Christmas fully. Okay, honesty hour. Is anybody like, yeah, we don't even own Tupperware to put our lights in because we just keep them up year round. Anybody in the year round crew? Okay, no one either. Okay, so I guess we're all kind of all in that, that middle ground. Well, um, as a Christian community, um, many Christians around the world actually celebrate um, Christmas for 12 consecutive days that leads up to a day called Epiphany. And Epiphany is this time where we recognize the coming and the visit from um, the Magi. And so if you felt like we were singing um, uh, We Three Kings early on in service, felt a little bit out of place, it's not, because as a church community, we're celebrating the fact that Because Christ has been born, it continues to permeate and to affect every part of our lives. And so today we will conclude our Advent series. And we'll be focusing on these two parallel passages from John chapter 1 and Revelation 21. And so Jesus has been born. Christ has come and gone. And yet as Christians, we are not done waiting. As Christians, though Christ is born, our wait continues. The rival of Jesus at Christmas is often signified by a nativity scene. Is everybody familiar with nativity scenes? Okay, here's a, a few from our house. I just went around and took a few photos. This one, the first one was actually gifted to us from uh, a family at church here. This, you know, Trey has his own nativity scene. Really cute. Um, the second one was uh, was given to us by uh, my in-laws, and then uh, finally this third one was one that we just have sitting up in uh, in our kitchen. And really, these nativity scenes are allowing us to kind of enter into the story of Christ being born, right? Gives us this visual picture of maybe what that night was like um, when Jesus was born, and this was an unexpected way that the King of the world, the Lord of Lords, would enter into the world. And so this morning I actually want to read another nativity scene that comes from the book of Revelation. And um, I, uh, I I want you to just hear these words, and having that picture of what the nativity scene was there, I, I want you to think about maybe what it would look like for us to put this type of nativity scene, because it's telling the same story. What would it be like for us to put this nativity scene by our Christmas tree? Um, Here the, are hear these words from Revelation 12 verses 1 through 6. It says, a great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with sun, with the moon under her feet and a crown of twelve stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven. An enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on its heads. Is this going to get weird, right? Like our nativity scene, right? Uh, ten horns and seven crowns on its heads. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that it might devour her child the moment he was born. Yes, it's talking about Jesus being born. She gave birth to a son, a male child who will rule the nations with an iron scepter. And her child was snatched up to God. Into his throne, the woman fled into the wilderness to a place prepared for her by God. Anybody else agreeing with me this morning that that would be a little bit different nativity scene that we might put up in our homes? Yeah, that would be a really good conversation starter, you know, like at your um, holiday party, like, hey, what's with the dragon and the woman by your nativity? Right? Like, but it's this real picture, this picture that um, in the writer John in the book of Revelation gives us. Of this same incredible story of Christ being born to us. And so this morning we'll be looking at a different part of Revelation. Again, the second coming of Christ. The second coming of this cosmic struggle between good and evil. Um, Really specifically, Advent is incomplete without it. Recognizing the ways in which Jesus being born is the ultimate victory on our way to experiencing Jesus in his life, death, and resurrection, fully conquering evil forever. And so Revelation tells of this second coming of Jesus, and this arrival is one that we anticipate to this day. And so um, this was kind of not a part of our rhythm really as a community for the last maybe 18 months, but has anybody been to Costco recently? Um, If you've been to Costco recently— the samples are back. Has anybody noticed that? The samples are back. They were gone for a long time. And and really what Christmas is, is just like this little tiny sample. Yet it's the real thing, right? Like that spinach artichoke dip that you'd get when you go to, uh, to Costco and get the sample, right? Christmas is this real thing where God is coming to be with us, right? Jesus being born in the flesh. That is real. And yet it's just this taste, of the fullness, of the promise that is to come, fulfilled at the end of time when Jesus is to return. It's this fulfillment that we're still waiting for and ultimately anticipating now. And so the birth of Jesus at Christmas was forever life-changing for us, yet it's really just a foretaste of the arrival of that is to come. And so uh, today I I really want us to just think about these two texts, John 1 and Revelation 21, to consider why as Christians we must get really good at waiting. And so really as humans, we're not very good at waiting. I don't know about you, but I'm not. Um, Just look at like a nine-month-old or a two-year-old or I don't know, even a 42 year old when they're hungry right like no one wants to wait when you're hungry there's a lot of kicking and screaming right or our netflix or our hulu or apple tv binging habits right like we don't like to wait we like to just have things happen now or our ex- obsessive uh, excessive obsession with two day shipping right we like we want things to come now we don't like to wait the pursuit of what we want now is something that has become more accessible than ever before. And so we're really able to have life at its fullest at our fingertips. And and so most of our world and our daily rhythms doesn't make us wait very well. And yet as followers of Jesus, how might we wait well? Anticipating when he will come again, how might we get good at waiting How might we wait? Well, John 1 is this beautiful picture of the Christmas story, but um, John doesn't use shepherds or a star or a manger to tell the story. If you've noticed, much of that comes from Luke's gospel. And so instead, this is how the gospel writer John chooses to tell the Christmas story. He simply says the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. So if Luke and John were siblings, which they weren't, um, it would be like John would be uh, kind of the the artsy, the free uh, flowing, poetic type, right? This is how he tells the story, and Luke is like that firstborn type A, like telling all the details, very detail oriented, and and yet we get these two different descriptions of the same story from different vantage points, and so today we're looking at John, both. Uh, this, this passage that comes in John chapter 1 and then uh, Revelation chapter 21 in the way that we remember the first and second coming of Christ. And so look at these parallels between John chapter 1 and Revelation 21. Um, Revelation 21 says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. And so there's this kind of parallel language that John uses to describe Jesus in um, John chapter 1 and then Revelation 21. Becoming flesh, both instances, Jesus arriving on the scene in order for us to experience this fullness of his arrival. Both instances include Jesus arriving to be with us. The first, as a completely dependent on mom little infant. And the second, as a conquering king. We spent much of this Advent season considering the arrival of Jesus as a baby. And today we consider the ways in which, as Christians, we're called to continue to wait for this second coming, this arrival of Jesus. The Greek word of this second coming is parousia, which literally means presence or arrival or an official visit. Um, In this context of the second coming, it was a promise that Jesus made to his disciples. Maybe you know at the very end of Matthew 28, Jesus says that um, he will be coming again one day to return, and the disciples were to wait. Yet Jesus is born, Christmas has come and gone, Jesus has ascended into heaven, and yet as Christians, we are not done waiting. Waiting for the arrival of Christ to return once again. And so it seems to be almost a disservice to preach from the book of Revelation without um, highlighting two important points from the book as a whole. As it's important for us to understand the context in which Revelation was written. So, um, the first is, Revelation was not so much like, um, a roadmap to the end times or, or what happens next, but simply a string of visions that John receives, um, of, of what would be to come, right? Of the, these visions of what John sees as, uh, Jesus is fully and ultimately revealing his kingdom. And so, um, so much of this, whether you're like, have no idea about these, these words coming up, or maybe you've ingrained in uh, this conversation for much of your life, but so much of, of this passage is often around conversations around about pre-trib, or post-trib, or a-trib, or determining when Jesus and how he will come. Um, we can have all kinds of conversation, and I'd love to do that. And we actually spent a lot of the spring this last year as students working through that. But um, this morning... What we're focusing on is that in the end, Jesus will come back. The Lamb will conquer all. And in the second coming of Jesus, he ushers in the fullness of justice, judgment, and awaited hope for our world. And so if we kind of trace the ways in which God's dwelling place has shown up all throughout the story of Scripture, in the Old Testament we see uh, the tabernacle as this temporary dwelling place, and it ultimately moves into the temple, which was more of this permanent dwelling place in Israel, where the Hebrew people believed that God's uh, presence actually was present there, and that's where God's presence would meet his people. And then then we move into this chapter, uh, John chapter 1, where the reality of um, Christmas breaks onto the scene where Jesus comes among us to live and dwell among us. And then ultimately in Revelation chapter 21, now Jesus dwells among the people. And so we can kind of trace the ways in which God has been in relationship with us as people All throughout the course of history, just simply by um, tracing God's dwelling place in the midst of our world and our lives. And so the arrival of Jesus, the promised expectation that he will return, gives us purpose and meaning for our waiting. And so just as we wait for the birth of Jesus to arrive, so too we wait for the second coming of Jesus to arrive. And so how might we wait? How might, as Christians, we be called to wait at the beginning of a new year, at the beginning of a new season of our church with Pastor Austin and the Bailey family arriving here, at the beginning of maybe different transitions that each of us might find ourselves in right now. How, as Christians, might we be called to wait? And so most of the time I think, you know, like alliterations are uh, maybe not helpful or a little bit corny. But today, you know, we're still kind of recovering from the holiday season. So I'm just going to give us three different Ps and the ways that we can experience this waiting that as Christians we must get really good at. And the first one is power. We're first reminded that the arrival of Jesus comes in power. Power. The second coming of Jesus, like the first, arrives in power, but maybe not in the ways that we would expect. John chapter 21, verse 1, it talks about the sea. There will be no longer any sea. The sea, or the, the picture or the image of sea, all throughout the story of Scripture, um, represents chaos. You think about the sea at the very beginning of creation. God spoke order into the chaos. God spoke order into the sea. And so for many of us in our lives right now, whether it be personal or as our families or at our workplaces or jobs or whatever, we can identify with some sort of chaos in our lives. Anybody have a little bit of chaos or an order in their lives now? Yes. The promise that God gives us all throughout um, these two comings, especially the second coming, is that he is coming to redeem these uh, chaotic moments in our lives. Whether it be uh, thinking about relationships that are in a spot that we know they need to be in a different place. The chaos that comes in relationship or the chaos that comes uh, maybe um, some sort of insecurity or, or lack of hope or disparity that we experience now. This power that comes when Jesus comes onto the scene to bring order out of our chaos is one that as Christians it is good news to cling to. This first arrival is one uh, of maybe a paradoxical power. You think about the ways in which Jesus arrived on the scene as a little baby born, a humble place with unassuming parents in a really ordinary time, but with uh, extraordinary circumstances. That's a pretty subversive way to enter the world as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And yet the second arrival comes with a different type of of power, a conquering king, an allegiance to a king that is subversive and paradoxical, power that comes from humility and surrender. And so power comes in, in a couple different ways that we, we see this. And maybe you're familiar with the ways in which God um, is attributed to both the lion and the lamb, right? This paradoxical way that um, Jesus is called the, the lamb, this roaring, strong king. And also, this humble servant lamb, both being the lion and the lamb at the same time, representing this humble arrival onto the scene that Jesus embodies. And also, the ways in which we continue to, uh, to wait for the arrival of Christ to come in his power um, is one that comes with persistence. We wait well when we wait with persistence. Just as God, from the very beginning, has this persistent pursuit on each one of us. God's love, unconditional love, pursuing us. It's really this model for us to be in relationship with God. This persistent relationship. From the beginning of creation, God insisted on dwelling with creation to be in right and loving relationship with us. And yet as sin enters the world and humans are separated from our loving God, God was insistent, persistent upon pursuing us and redeeming us. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Another translation reads, uh, the Word became flesh and tabernacled among us. Remember, again, tracing God's presence. Tabernacled among us, allowing God's presence to dwell in our neighborhoods. If we've learned anything from the past two years of 2020 and 2021, um, we've actually all expanded our Greek vocabulary. Did you know that? So um, we have the Delta and the Omicron, right? Some good things come out of this. And, and yet our, uh, our, vocabulary, our Greek vocabulary begins to expand even more when we look at the promise of persistence that comes in Jesus and his second coming. Jesus in verse 6 of, of Revelation chapter 21 um, claims— And embodies and is the true alpha and omega. Really just saying my love stretches from A to Z. From the very beginning of time through the very end of all creation. My love is persistent. There's no better way that uh, the love of God is expanded upon than this picture of um, Jesus leaving the 99 to pursue the one. That is persistent love. And one that we are called to embody as Christians. So we wait well when we wait with persistence. And finally, purpose. Our waiting, collectively, as human beings, as a community, as a world, has purpose. That God is carrying out and that we simply have the invitation to join alongside. In this promise that God makes. In that vision of what comes in Revelation chapter 21 upon Jesus' second coming, he says, I am coming to make all things new. In the fall of 2011, um, Lauren, my wife, was uh, she had the opportunity to study abroad in South Africa. And so she had this whole um, fall semester to go through all these incredible experiences. And, and really for her story, and I had permission to share this, okay. Uh, but for her story, uh, it was really one of those times where she took a major corner in her relationship with God where she felt like for maybe one of the, the very first times that, that that relationship with God went from being something that she maybe knew somewhat was true to, to now embodying for her in the first time, being able to serve in the most unlikely, unassuming places in slums all throughout uh, South Africa, or being able to experience solitude in some of the most pristine places in the entire world, meeting God for the very first time, and so um, towards the end of her time being in South Africa, um, like any I don't know most um, sophomores in college, she went and got a tattoo. All right, and so um, she really wanted to get that that full sleeve, you know, like all of the words uh, of uh, of her <laughs> of her verse on her arm, but she settled with just a little foot tattoo. So I don't know, Lauren has a foot tattoo. It doesn't show up in December because she's wearing boots often, but um, but the the words that she got tattooed to her foot um, were very simple. She just got the, the phrase "out of dust" tattooed on her foot, and, and really for her it was this, this echo, actually, of a song that we sung this morning, um, Gunger, "Beautiful Things," where the, it's this promise, this deep promise, where God comes and enters into our mess as human beings desires to dwell among us. No matter what we've done or where we've been or maybe even how we feel about ourselves or what we look look to in the future, God chooses to enter into our mess, to make beautiful things out of each one of us. And, and truly, at the beginning of 2022, if that's not good news, I don't know what is. Because we have a God who is in the business of making all things new. And through that, making beautiful things out of each one of us. And so what might that look like for you this morning? As we wait wait for uh, the arrival of of Jesus and we wait wait for this second coming, what might this look like for you? What might this look like for us As a community, as a church who is on the brink of this new season with a new vision and new leadership and new opportunities to be the felt presence of God in our world. What might this look like for us as a church? There's these two words that we talk about uh, as Christians. They're they're total Christian terms, and uh, and so I want to just offer them today, and then we'll move uh, to close and gather around um, the communion table. But we talk about this word salvation— Uh, This word salvation simply means God saves, or God desires to pursue and save us, deliver us from one thing to the other. Uh, A really easy theme to think about that through uh, the Christmas season is delivering us from darkness and bringing us to light. And truly, what we're waiting upon is, is this hope that because of salvation being offered through Jesus Christ, we have the hope that when Jesus returns, we will be resurrected and we will be part of this new kingdom to come that Jesus promises. But we also have this word of sanctification. And it's not one that we throw around oftentimes, especially in the covenant church or maybe in our tradition, but it's one of of simply becoming more like Jesus becoming more of who Jesus desires us to be. And so for each one of our lives, as we wait, we have purpose in our waiting now, as we become more like Jesus. Maybe that's something in our marriage at the beginning of 2022 that we know if that doesn't change, or if we don't address it, or if we don't work through that hard thing that that we truly can't experience the fullness of what God has for us. And, and maybe there's something in, in, in your, your finances or in the ways in which you've been called to steward money that you know God is calling you to step out in faith or to step out in hope, to see the ways in which God will use you through your obedience and serving him in your finances. Or maybe there's a vision or a goal or a dream or a relationship or a friendship that you know just needs attention. And and it's an attention that you just can't give yourself. It's one that God has to work through. Waiting is the most difficult thing we do. We have no control over it. or very little control over it. It's seemingly endless and purposeless. And yet the promise of Jesus holds true that he is making all things new. And as we wait, may we wait on the Lord in his power, in his persistence, and in his purpose. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, we, we wait on you even now. We wait on you even in these moments as we kick off this new year and this new season of 2022. We wait on you because we know that we cannot go forward if you don't go before us. And so, Jesus, would you come into our lives? Would you permeate our lives with your love? Would you find those areas in our lives, those relationships, those those broken pieces that you desire to make beautiful out of? Lord, may we surrender those to you today. And God, as we move into responding to the love that you've extended to us. May we wait in anticipation for your second coming. Lord, may you teach us to wait well. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.